This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand You could never understand The bicycle is ergonomically tailored to the human form and psyche. Yet I wonder if a hitherto undiscovered native tribe, when presented with a bicycle, would ever be able to determine what on earth it was for. That's from Boren van Loon. Well, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. And we're not little children, and we know what we want. kick in. We're on the road to nowhere here at Yarrabug Radio Show here at the 3CR. Either you're podcasting, streaming, or listening on that transistor in the kitchen, you're listening to a radical radio. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. Um, always a great show to catch up with what's on in America. Look, I've got a uh, simple show. I'm joined on the tandem this morning from, by Jed Suter from um, Freedom Solutions. Good morning, Jed. It's a um, lovely, typical Melbourne day, we've got to say, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> nice, gloomy right in. Yes, but the, we've got a lovely swing in Melbourne here from um, something which was a bit hot and unbearable yesterday and our first real day of uh, summer to actually quite a nice actual morning. Oh, oh. Always takes a while to get over the nerves here in stu- this studio at uh, 3CR. Now, look, uh, as we normally do, I'm going to kick off with a bike moment to actually get the ball, ro- ball rolling, and then we'll move into a uh, main part of the show, talking about, um, well, freedom solutions, but how do we innovate and customise solution for people who... How should I put it, Jed? I usually say... People with disability, yeah. living with disability. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, look, and it's a really interesting topic and one that I think a lot of people don't think about much. Look, I'll just kick off on this bike moment. If somebody's been listening to the show for a long time, you'll know that <clears throat> Faith and I make a point about um, riding to 3CR on our Monday morning and um, every now and then getting every green light from um, 
from our place of uh, to get here. Well, I've got to say, this morning I got every red light, seven of them in a row. It was absolutely fantastic. I was actually hoping for the last one to get the red light. That's the universe telling you to relax, Val. It is. I'm not sure whether it worked or not, Jed, to be perfectly honest. Um, look, that, that was just thing. The other little bike moment I'm going to... Um, <laughs> talk about is I think I've spoken about this over the years as well when you see a bike chained up somewhere and it's obviously not somebody's not going to come back to it it'll stay in one piece for about a couple of months or so and then suddenly one wheel will go and then in the space of a couple of weeks everything's gone and I'm unfortunately been watching Three bikes chained up to a pole. They've been as good as gold for the last four months, I think. One wheel disappeared about two weeks ago. Now there's hardly anything left. It's, you know, it's a bit, it is a bit sad. I know. It's all ephemeral though, right? Well, as long as, well, I would presume they're getting recycled. Yes, it is actually. Everything's ephemeral in a lot of ways. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now, You've got a bike moment to share with us. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a different one. Uh, oh, the, the lead up to Christmas this year was pretty busy uh, getting all of the bicycles out to our clients and getting everyone on on, on the bikes that they'd ordered. Um, and I recall just before Christmas, I was busily fussing away out the back of the warehouse and a, a young client, a seven-year-old girl, had come with her mum and her OT to, uh, to pick up the the tricycle that we set her up on and while everyone's fussing away over the bike she called across the warehouse to me she says hello hello across the warehouse I'm like oh you're talking to me little girl (laughs) and uh came up to me just looked me in the eye and just shook my hand and said thank you and walked off it was beautiful heart heartwarming moment she she could tell tell I'd I'd sweated to get that thing together oh that's a lovely moment, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, look, I mean, you're not, I'm just going to, before we go any further, I'm just going to preface this. Sorry, Jed, I, I missed that first bit because we had, I didn't have the right microphone on. But um, look, Jed and I have known each other for many years and we've been involved in a couple of common projects and every so often... The bike moments that really matter are sometimes, sometimes the just most simplest ones. Um, it's not sometimes about making somebody's wish come true or something like that. A lot of times it's just that physical interaction between somebody who has now discovered a bit of extra mobility, and it doesn't matter whether they're able-bodied or disabled or slightly disabled, Um it actually really, you walk away from it and it does something to both of you. Yeah, we've all seen over the years of, of, of working in all sorts of environments and your your listeners would certainly have stories about someone whose life's been completely changed yeah. by cycling, by getting on a bike. Yeah. And when you introduce a few more challenges, that means there's greater potential. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, it's, um, it keeps, I, somebody asked me how many, how many, um, how could you do a show about bicycles for so long? I said, look, there are just, 
the bicycle is the most democratic of machines. Simple. Anybody who can ride one can usually understand how it works. And it just brings everybody onto a simple plane. All righty. That's enough of uh, that for a minute, all those that feel good, which we'll get back to it shortly. So, look, just a little bit of news. I'm sure if anybody's been listening to already any of the papers, over the weekend the, um, the federal government has said they look forward to actually bringing in a uh, vehicle efficiency standards uh, piece of legislation uh, in the first part of this year hopefully for it to come into being in the, I would say, 1st of January 2025. So we, along with Russia, are probably about the only two, um, I'm going to say, you know, Western, I'm not going to say Western democracies, that don't have um, vehicle efficiency standards. This is going to be a long and torturous thing. So this is not fuel standards, this is vehicle emission standards. So, and this is only for new cars. There's going to be a few scare campaigns going along about this. But there are a couple of things that when I look at this, I think, oh, I'm not too sure about this. A couple of things are, as we saw a couple of years ago, you rely on the manufacturers to put on the sticker on the car telling you, how many miles, how many uh, kilometres per, how many emissions per kilometre. Um, so the way we've done it in the past is that the manufacturer has been responsible for uh, calibrating and working out how much emissions are actually coming out of the tailpipe, as we've seen with Volkswagen and a few other places. Uh, to leave that responsibility to the manufacturers seemed to be a... I'm going to say misplaced trust in some ways. The other thing is I would think that actually the actual tailpipe emissions can be on the real road would be quite different from what you could get inside a lab with a car. So we're going to be stuck in that airy fairy thing. The other thing that... Um, uh, now, this is just for passenger and light commercial they're talking about. So it's going to be by weight. I'm not sure whether um, big tray cabs are going to come into it or the position on some SUVs. So we'll just have to wait and see this. Look, the other thing beyond this is the fact that actually this is lovely. We should be getting more fuel-efficient cars. I mean, at the moment, we can't import some cars into Australia because... We haven't got the fuel good enough for them, the, the engines to run on. So apart from not having the vehicles up to standard, our fuel is not up to standard at all, which is a shame. And just on I'll look on this point, I know we can sometimes forget about the past. 1986 was the time we bought in catalytic converters and unleaded petrol into Australia. And if you've ever seen a map of the amount of carbon monoxide that was pumped out pre-1986 to post with those new cars and catalytic converters is something like a 30% drop within two years. It really does make a difference when you improve the efficiency of burning fuel or actually make an effort to get rid of it. So that's my little bit of thing.
Well, there's actually a um, disturbing trend in the US on uh, those large SUVs and trucks for people to actually remove their catalytic converters, which hopefully that doesn't catch on over here. And if it does, it gets uh, stamped on pretty quickly. Oh, no, because a couple of the rare earth metals are used in the catalytic converters. So they're quite quite useful as... uh, Anyway, they're stolen goods. All right, in the other news... I'm sorry to speak about cars all the time, but sometimes we've just got to talk about it. Look, there was, uh, I presume it's still going on at the moment, Sunday they were having a vote in Paris. Now, the mayor in Paris has put up a suggestion, and this follows on from the same mayor's vote, I think it's now about six months ago, maybe a bit more. They had a plebiscite uh, in Paris about um, either banning or keeping electric scooters in the middle of Paris, and the vote was against the electric scooters, and they've been pushed out of the middle of Paris. So this vote, which happened, which was happening Sunday, which I presume is today in Paris, is about tripling the parking fees for SUVs. And they're quite um, good about defining what an SUV is, weight, all that sort of stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. I think, uh, I haven't got a converter on me, but... Um, I think they're putting it up to about 18 euros an hour for the parking fee. So they're trying to do a a bit of a deliberate effort to discourage um, driving of those large vehicles in the inner city. Um, The large town of Lyon is actually, I think, a little bit in front of Paris and they're starting to bring in a scheme like that as well. Just on another quick one before I don't want to send too long. In if you come from Tasmania and you're not aware of it, the Tasmanian government is running a rebate on ele- new electric bicycles and cargo bikes. Are you up to date on this? No. So, um, the if you're a Tasmanian resident over sixteen, an electric bike. I think the rebate is five hundred dollars. Obviously, you've got to buy it from a Tasmanian bike shop. Can't be bought online. And the rebate for a electric cargo bike is $1,000. They have still got half their budget to spend. So, come on, Tasmanians. Line up and uh, put your name forward. You should be getting on one of those things. That's a, a little bit for news. We're going to be back straight after this um, to talk about Freedom Solutions. Public transport's great. What's not great is that unless you've got a radio with you, you can't listen to 3CR when you're on it. Until now, the Community Radio Plus app lets you listen to us wherever you are. Get on board and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. pretty good for and you're back listening to Yarrabug Radio Show here on Radical Radio, 3C, 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. Freedom Solutions, customised assisted, assisted technology solutions. Going since 1975, I've discovered. Yep, up to our uh, 50th anniversary next year. There we go. Now, I'm going to get you to, to explain this, Jed. This is actually customising mobility for people. Yeah, so essentially what we're doing uh, at Freedom Wheels is adapting bicycles and uh, 
selling and distributing a range of products that allow people who otherwise wouldn't be able to ride a bike, um, usually due to mobility issues, yep. um, to have things like attendant support so they can have a parent or a OT or their attendant walking with them while they cycle. Sometimes they'll take over things like the steering function or the braking function. Yep. Um, and then for people who are otherwise able to ride a, a bike, but maybe they struggle with balance. Uh, so if you've seen a, a trainer wheels on a child's bike, the adult version of those, which are instead of being set up to train a person to ride, they're set up for stability. So they're yep. wide, they've got a bit of suspension in them, things like that. And there's a wide range of variety of adaptations that we make to allow people to get on and off a bike and to be able to ride where they otherwise wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Um, I think you once told me the story about a new mother who was wheelchair-bound. And... Yeah, so how do you take your baby with you when you're on a wheelchair? Part of uh, part of the business is um, our unique solutions that we offer um, a, a broader range of custom assistive technology, and in in this case, the wheelchair had been adapted with extra stability, um, an extra set of front wheels, and we used a a bicycle baby seat um, on a swing arm that can be located on, beside her while she's in the wheelchair yep. or swing around in front of her as well. Yeah. And that was, that was using a combination of products that are existing on the market at the moment and yeah. then our own adaptations and um, a group of engineers up in Sydney came up with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were talking before we came on. Now, as I said, this has been going for nearly 50 years. It's a non-profit organisation. That's right, yeah. Um, and tell me about the role of volunteers in the in the company. It seems to be quite big. Yeah, so you're right. Uh, been going since 1975. Uh, started in New South Wales with a group of engineers, retired engineers who came together to think about ways that they could continue using their skills to to help people. Um, and we're a volunteer-driven organisation, so we've got uh, around 200 volunteers across Victoria and New South Wales, and that's lots of, as I said, retired engineers, tradies, generally really skilled people who want to continue using the knowledge and the skills they've gained over their careers um, to put to good use while they're retired. And so in Melbourne, for instance, uh, we've got a workshop down in Abbotsford um, where our group of volunteers will uh, build and customise the bikes down there um, with my guidance, yep. <laughs> organising it. Um, and I have, uh, yeah, about about 10 volunteers at the moment doing that in Melbourne and um, always looking for more. And from what I can see, that's volunteering. Volunteers have always been a, a most integral and big part of the, of the, the whole solution, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it grew out of the the desire for people to yeah to use the skills they've gained in their career to yeah. to, to kind of further help people once they'd retired. Now, I presume a lot of this is NDIS. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we're a NDIS approved organisation, 
Um, so typically for our products, um, it will arrange it. It'll involve a original uh, consultation with one of our product specialists um, to basically discuss the client's needs and their cycling goals or their um, mobility goals. And through that conversation, we'll trial them out on a few of our existing products, have a look at where the adaptations can potentially come in uh, to help them out. Um, and then, and through that, we'll, they'll get a couple of recommendations. They'll take that back, usually with one of their occupational therapists. Um, that'll go back to NDIS for approval and usually sits in that uh, what's called the mid-range funding. Yeah. Um, give us a... What are some of the harder challenges? Well, as anyone who has a family member or, or possibly themselves um, with a disability will know that a, a lot of... The main challenges are with transfers, so getting in and out of vehicles, getting on and off things, that can be a real barrier to, to being able to ride for a lot of people. Yeah. So things like uh, bicycles with very low standover are, are a typical thing that we see. Um, balance can, can also often come into play. So uh, typical bicycle is very stable once it gets going but as we know when when it's stationary it's not very stable so um we do a lot of adult tricycles in that respect um with low standovers uh we also use electric motors on a lot of our products as well which are a massive help for yeah. uh, clients who wouldn't otherwise have maybe the energy or the strength to to be able to consistently ride for an amount of time. And the the developing technology with those motors and batteries becoming cheaper all the time, and the the technology developing um, means that that's a really great option. Uh, for a lot of our clients to be able to use a little bit of extra help, a little bit of power, and that can be tuned as to their needs as yeah. well. This is different from, you know, your, I'm going to say, well, it's not typical, the mobility scooter that we're all aware of, you know, yeah. the four wheels, virtually a, a motorised wheelchair in a lot of ways. This is different. This is customising it to the individual. That's right. So... We have we manufacture our own set of accessories that will allow for things like postural supports, for instance. So a support to the back area that can be adjusted um, for different positions. Uh, some of our clients will also need a, a strap to kind of hold them uh, on the bike or on the on the tricycle. Um, obviously, safety comes into this as well. So that's all some all uh, things that are discussed with the client and the carers and their OTs when they come in. Um, even things like customized pedals. A lot of our clients yeah, will yeah. have uh, prescription footwear that won't work with regular pedals, and they'll need either a larger platform, different angles on the pedals. There's yeah. there's a huge variety of adjustments can be made on regular bicycles that, that people may not be aware of. But then when you start adding extra accessories to it, there's a, uh, a universe of, of different adaptations that we can make. Look, I just, I mean, I, you know, from somebody who's been in, you know, inverted commas, bike world for so long, a lot of us never think of these things. 
I mean, we we were amazed sometimes when we see a recumbent being hand hand cycles thing, but a lot of times it never occurs to people, does it? That's right, and. Recumbents are one of the is a great example because um, a lot of your listeners will be familiar with recumbents and see them around and maybe not give a second thought to why that person has chosen that over you know the more typical traditional bicycle, um, and with recumbents meaning that um, your weight is distributed in a different way, you're low to the ground, the um, the, the balance requirements of a, a, a different a different yeah, yeah exactly, um, so recumbents is something we do. Uh, also, adult tricycles are a really big part of it as well. Um, and, you, and you're right, I guess this is probably a, a broader conversation about, you know, a lot of us think of people with disabilities as being a marginalised group. Yep. But if you look at the numbers, it's not. It's a big percentage of the population. Yep. Our bodies are always changing. A lot of us will be dealing with a disability at some stage in our life. Yep. The numbers are around one in five people in Australia living with a disability. Yep. And obviously that goes up as you get older. And they're all people who can really benefit from the, you know, the social and fitness aspects of cycling um, to a huge degree. Oh, well, anything that can assist mobility which generates its own benefits then, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you look at independence, engagement with community, all the things that most of us who cycle and love cycling will kind of yeah. take for granted after a while. Um, the, the only difference is that people have a bit more of a challenge to get there uh, and that maybe their goals are a little bit different. So instead of riding to work, maybe their goals are riding around the block with my brother yeah. or, um, you know, riding in a car park with mum and dad yeah. on, a, on a Saturday, that sort of thing. Well, how many, what percentage of um, children? A lot of, our, a lot of our clients are children. So um, as with, with all of us, uh, you know, lots of people are interested in, in cycling when they get into primary school, that sort of thing. Um, and with our clients, they may go to a bike shop and there's nothing available that's going to yeah. work and that's where they'll get referred to us. Um, yeah, so, so lots of children come in. Um, we have a range of bicycles for children that, um, that, that allow for different setups that you wouldn't get in other, uh, in other products. Um, give me a rough idea, numbers. Well, if you look at... If you look at the vast numbers, we and, and not just bicycles, but all sorts no. of assistive technology, we've done over fifty thousand unique solutions over the last fifty years. So, yeah. um, you know that's across Victoria and New South, South Wales. Wales. Yeah. Oh, but, oh, look! I, I should have written down when I was going through the web, but it's not a um, it's not a tiny number. It's no, you know, well, exactly, and. I guess, um, you know, that's a, a conversation about visibility in general about, you know, you said before that this is not something that you maybe have thought about or that, you know, those, uh, you know, everyday cyclists would would come into interaction with yeah. as much. And that's something that hopefully will change. And as the technology with um, things like electric motors 
continues and um, new developments in small batch production, things like th- 3D printing and that sort of thing. So that, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that world really becomes wide open and accessible to a whole lot of people that otherwise wouldn't be able to, um, yeah. to participate. Now, I presume you need volunteers. We do, yeah, always. <laughs> um, so anyone who, who may be interested and uh, we can... Uh, I, I always say to people that if you can hold a, a five-millimeter Allen key, then you can, uh, you can build a bike <laughs> with a bit of training and a bit of help. Um, so anyone who might be interested, um, we are, we're, we're open five days a week and we are down in Abbotsford. Um, you can contact us yeah. via the website. And I'm obviously going to put a link up on the podcast. So freedomsolutions.org.au. Sure. Yes, with <laughs> I found that, and make sure. Look, it's um, it's one part of cycling and mobility that actually I must admit I myself didn't think about much. Um, you think about it every now and then, but you realise actually these can be solutions for a lot of people. You know, this can change people's lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I think that's all we've got time for next uh, today. Uh, next up, I think, is um, She-Bop. Um, very, thanks, Jed, for coming in. Um, My pleasure, Val. And we'll catch up shortly. That's all we've got time for. And we'll be back. I'll be back in two weeks' time. This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au.